Hey there, Basshole fans. This is Greg Weasley. Hey, what up, though, Basshole Media and Basshole family? This is Luke. What's up, guys? This is Jacob Dalton tuning in here. John Miller here, moderator of T-Wolf Stock. This is Ben Gilbert, longtime listener, subscriber. Is that you tuning in? Shout out, Basshole. Hey, Henry here, and you're watching the Timberwolves Talk podcast. Oh! All right, guys, welcome to this edition of Timberwolves Talk on December 16th, 2021. Um, I'm joined here by Peyton, of course. And uh, yeah, what an exciting uh, night and a couple games of basketball from the Timberwolves. Yeah, man, it, um, it seemed like we were on the uh, on the wrong end of a bad slide there. And then now it's all sunshine and uh, roses or whatever they say. I don't think that's the uh, exact yeah. term. Yeah, but, uh, it felt like we were going into another another losing season. Everyone was uh, down on the Wolves again, and then now we're right back to where we were in that seven out of eight game stretch. So, feels good, but I, I would wish it. I wish it was a little less up and down. I'll tell you that. Yeah, uh, the last the last podcast we did was a little uh, on the, more on the depressing side. It was a little, a little bit more pessimistic than we're used to. Um, hey, I tried to be positive. I think I think you were biting a little negative there. But I like we'll we'll talk about all the good this past week because there is a lot of good from the team. But I I do think some of the points we touched on last video about some of the main issues with this team still remain. I don't I don't know if it's all of a sudden fixed that we're winning now. Um, more importantly, but I I do I am proud of how the teams played these past few games. You know, especially against Portland and last night against the Nuggets. Um, yeah, the thing I want to say about that is I don't. I don't know. I'm kind of on the side where I still believe in the roster that we have. I still think we have a, I think if we were to keep this roster, I think we would be okay. But I think, I think there's a lot of, there's a few flaws in it, but I, I honestly, I'm still on the side of let these guys develop together. Cause you, we see how great they can be. And we, and we have seen how bad they can be too. So it's just kind of a, we just got to remain being decent at least and hopefully get into that six, seven, eighth, eighth seed. That's where I'm shooting for this year. Yeah, the thing that the thing that really is like the kryptonite of the Timberwolves is when one of the big three goes down, this team completely loses its mind and can't, yeah, or, can't play basketball. Yeah, or even if one of them has a really bad night, um, they all have to be playing at an average or above average level, and we'd like to see that because you look at you look at other great teams like the Nets, the the Lakers. When one of their guys is out, they're still a competitive team in the NBA. And for the Timberwolves, when one of their guys is out, uh, D'Angelo Russell, they don't win a single game. So I that, that's kind of interesting you bring that up because that's kind of the Nuggets situation. They're they're missing Jamal Murray for most of the season. I think this year, possibly the entire season. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is out the entire season with he's going maybe his career back surgery. Yeah, it's his ACL too. I think or it's ACL his ACL too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just to see what Jokic has done these past few games. Um, you know, I, I love Cat, but it's pretty obvious, like, how amazing of a player Jokic is. Like, I can't even believe the, the Nuggets are I, – I don't know if they have – I think they're 500 now after that game. But for Jokic to break off, like, I think they had a three-game win streak, and he's just putting up triple doubles. He, he's, he's putting up triple doubles even when he's getting ejected in the fourth quarter. Like, <laughs> I, I think he had one in the third quarter this last game against Cat. And that's not to say Cat – I think Cat won the matchup, um, actually, but – but wow, man, like I, it's the Timberwolves need to take a page out of the Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets book because he's he's going to get that team into the playoffs, I think, even without those two guys. Yeah, dude, they uh, they were had a bunch of nobodies out there. I don't I don't mean to be disrespectful, but a lot of those guys I had never heard of on yeah. the Nuggets. And 
He he literally did every single thing he possibly could for them to win that game, and they still fell up short. That's how – like, they were playing a really good game at halftime. Like, they were staying in the game, and but we were just playing one of the best – we played probably one of the best halves in Wolves history last night against the Nuggets, and the Nuggets still stayed in that game and still made it competitive. That's – I guess that goes to show how good Jokic was and also – just how amazing that game was from the Minnesota Timberwolves, Chris. I mean, there were so many things that happened. Carl Anthony Towns, 10,000 points. And that, honestly, that was overshadowed by Anthony Edwards hitting a franchise record for threes in a game with 11 and the most threes that have been hit this season in a game. And then also the the bottom thing is Anthony Edwards, 2,000 points. So another one, the Wolves hit the most threes ever in a first half in franchise history. So it was just a jam-packed game. Yeah, there was, there was, there's, this was one of the most like, awesome there's just so much that happened. And we yeah. still had a chance to lose the game at the end. That's, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they, I mean, we were up by like what, 14. Yeah, but it still felt like least, it could at be, the very least. Yeah, it no, still I get felt that. like it could get close. Even Jim Pete was saying that, but like it, it goes to show like the, the records those guys got last night. They did it in kind of incredible fashion too, you know, starting off with Carl Anthony Towns. He's the, I think fifth quickest player to ever reach 10,000 points behind LeBron, KD, Anthony Davis, and Carmelo Anthony. So that's all four of those guys are going to be Hall of Famers, and hopefully Cat will be too. Um, And then you got Anthony Edwards, 2,000 points. He's the third youngest player to ever reach that milestone that fast behind LeBron and Kevin Durant. Again, like top, going to be top 10 guys of all time if Kevin Durant's not already. Um, And then you look at Ant setting the franchise guys record for three pointers in the season and the most threes by an NBA player this season in a game. Um, it's, you know, it's, it really gives you hope for Anthony Edwards, what he's going to be um, eventually. Like if he's knocking down the three ball like that, this young um, and he can develop into a dangerous shooter, it, it's over for the league, man. I don't, I don't see how anyone's stopping that kid. Yeah, dude, I want to touch on Anthony Edwards. I mean, so I watched that whole game and I'm, you know, I just got back from college last night, so I was a little tired, you know, just got done with finals. So I was, I mean, I wasn't paying attention as much as I would if we were live streaming the game or something. Sorry, my mic seems to be cutting out a little bit. But I did not know Anthony Edwards had anywhere close to that many threes. Yeah, and, it, it, it kind of became made apparent, especially when, um, you know, he hit those last three threes in the fourth quarter there. You know, he hit the... Uh, he hit one right. He had a corner three to um to extend it to two thousand points. To off a beautiful, he, off a beautiful pass from Malik Beasley. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Malik in a bit, but that was I was like, oh my god, he's triple teamed. What's he gonna do? But then then Anthony Edwards hits the logo three, and we're all like, holy moly! And then you know the Harden dribble size up, one of the cleanest moves I've seen all season for his tenth three franchise record. I was like, wow, like what a game, man. Well, you know what? Uh, you know what set him off was actually when he was on that fast break and he was lollygagging, kind of like, you know what? We're gonna win this game. I'm just gonna go get this easy dunk. I'm not even gonna go. And number thirty-one, I don't even know who he was. He he came sprinting back, made an absolute Vanderbilt play, blocked him, and then Pat Bev chewed Anthony Edwards' ass out. And right yep. after that, it was like that's all he needed. Boom! And then he was out there, and he just he, he closed the game right after that. He just needed that little push from Pat Bev. And it, he was, he was into killer yeah. mode. And, you know, speaking of Pat Bev and Vando, I think 
the reason this team wins games is because we get out to like a 10 and two start. Have you noticed yep. that? Oh yeah. How we do that. Most games we win is we'll get a couple steals and the team will get hype and they'll rally. And that's when they start playing really good is when that happens. Yeah. And that's the exact opposite of what happened last year or in the beginning of the season when we were on that little losing streak. I remember we'd always come out to just a slow methodical start and have to kind of get woken up and then it would always be a comeback game. But what we've done so much better in these for in this this uh, middle half of the season so far is we've yeah what you're saying we've come out on top in the beginning and we've been the ones that are on top and the other team has to scrape back in the game which they usually do yeah i i think we i think we as a franchise owe patrick beverly everything you know i i don't know where we would be if patrick beverly wasn't on this team i don't i i truly believe i don't think the defense would be as energetic and i don't think vando would be the player he is today i truly believe that and i think I this I think the fans owe Patrick Beverly everything for this season so far. Yeah, and I don't think Anthony Edwards would be the player he is right now without no. Patrick Beverly. If he still had Ricky Rubio, I love the man. Great guy. If, if Ricky Rubio was still Anthony Edwards' mentor, I don't think we'd be seeing a season like this. Chris, I got a question for you. So I've been hearing rumors that the Wolves are already in contract talks with Patrick Beverly. And as a player who, you know what, on court as a player, he I don't know if he's going to be worth the money that we're going to have to pay him next year for a two-year extension or something like that. But I would like to argue that his off-court impact is worth anything. Even if he doesn't play a single game next year, I think that he would be worth the money just the way that he impacts the game and is basically like another coach out there. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. Patrick Beverly, I think makes around 16, 17 million at the moment. Um, I, and I'm going to be honest here. I, I think Patrick Beverly deserves um, a two-year $30 million contract, $15 million each year. I, I truly do. And I, like you said, you do, I, don't, I think his on-court play will, have, will live up to it. You know, ever since he, comes, he came off the injury, he scored double-digit points in every game. Um, it was very apparent in the first game he came back how he started the game off super hot, and I think he had like 17 or 18 points off those floaters. Um, this Nuggets game, man, he started the game three for three from the three-point line. That's really what got us out to this lead. I, I think Patrick, he had like nine assists last night, eight or nine assists yeah, last he, night too. Like I, he's so, so valuable uh, to this team. I, I would extend Patrick Beverly, no question in my head. If he wants to come back, of course, and I think he does. I, I don't see why he wouldn't. I feel like this is like, I feel like this Minnesota fan base um, is just like, why would you not want to come back to this when we get, you got guys like us saying that he is the most one of the most valuable players in this team and he's he's not the most talented well I'm not I'm not going to say that but he he really just makes that impact and he's a leader man and Jared Vanderbilt dude you've been you've been he a got, big got the, he got them and I you got to give him credit for that man I since last season I was saying this you're you I, I mean I've always loved the guy but dude that guy he's how does he have that motor he literally is like a v8 engine it's just such a great. He nickname. doesn't stop, man. He, he really <laughs> he, doesn't. He, he literally just sprints up and down the court, up and down, and jumps up in the air, and that's it. He, I've still have never seen him make a right-handed layup, and I don't know if I don't know if he can, but that doesn't matter. He's literally shown us that you do not have to have an offensive game to be an impactful player in the best league in the world. No, it really doesn't. And what what's even more interesting too, you know, I love Vando, but going back to Patrick Beverly a little bit. Um, you know, we, we relied last year on Malik being that four scoring option, but this year it's, it's been Patrick Beverly, which is really weird. He's the guy who will get you 15. Right. And it just goes to show, man, there's a reason why that starting lineup is eight and two now. It, yeah. it, it's because 
obviously the big three, but those, if you put any other two guys in that lineup, they're not as good. And that's what the record shows this year. Yeah, Chris. And there's something I, I think me and you need to be a better job. I think, I think when we go through these down stretches, which I, I don't know, I think we will. And I think there might be one coming up here because we have a really tough schedule. I think we need to do a better job of, you know, just believing in the guys, believing that it's going to be okay. Believing that Vando is that guy. He is that fourth option. And I think we just got to do a better job keeping our keeping our heads straight and not not jumping off the ship as easily. But when oh, it gets really yeah, hard, yeah, yeah, I, I, for sure. And that skid, what I was mainly talking about when I was talking about the and it's the both of us. Scenarios. It's not just you. It's both of us. But when I was talking about the trade scenarios last episode, I was talking about the trade scenarios in context to that that losing streak because it's it's going to happen again where one of the big three is going to go down. I don't Delo is going to have ankle soreness or cat may be out of game. I ant usually makes every game, but one of those two guys is going to go down again. And what I'm saying is, is if Patrick Beverly or not Patrick Beverly, if Malik Beasley isn't getting you the production, you, you think he can. And he's, he's the main contract matcher in any of these trades. He has to right. go if we're going to make a trade because he's got the contract to do it. Um, yeah, I don't I think if you have a Miles Turner or a Larry Nance or or Karis Levert, I've I've seen him in a couple of couple of scenarios. I I think you could be able to weather the storm better with those guys than you could with Malik Beasley at the moment. And I I I really my opinion hasn't shifted on that, even with the winning streak. And I I, lo- I love when this team is healthy because they are really good when they're healthy. But it's when we need production out of someone else and that it's just not. I, I think that could lead to issues down the stretch. I really do. I do. And we, and we have seen it lead to issues every single time it's happened this year. Every single time D'Angelo Russell's been out of game, we've lost. And I know, I know we talk about Malik Beasley a lot, and I know it's kind of like this. I like Malik Beasley. Chris used to like Malik Beasley. Now he hates Malik I, Beasley. I, I, still, I still like him. I man. still it's... believe in him. Chris wants to ship him out. And, you know, it was harder for me to be a Malik Beasley guy last night I don't know what it is. It the new ball? It, it just seems like he can't dribble. Like he, it, when he's dribbling, it looks really sloppy. And I don't know. Someone someone said it that he just needs to go in the corner and just spot up in the corner. And I I really do think that he just needs to be patient. Let the game come to him. You see, Jared um, Jaden McDaniel's getting so many wide open threes. And why is Malik Beasley not getting any threes? Did he have any threes last night in the game where we set the franchise record in the first half? I don't think our best three point shooter hit a three. And that's the thing. That's the thing that's I'm talking problem. about is like, it's like Jade. I, I know Jaden was going to break out because he's, a, he's a smart player and he gets open shots and he takes what's given to him. It's the, it's the fact of the matter that I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the wide belief that Malik's, you know, not as conditioned, you know, maybe his conditioning is a little worse. Um, I think it I, is. I think his. I was going to say that too. He looks a little, but what I'd say is he's, ha- he's having a better defensive season. So I don't know how his conditioning can play that big of a role into it. Cause he, he hustles on defense and I think he is playing better on defense. It's the fact of the matter that I think he's just making dumber decisions this year. And I don't know why. I think I know he's why. a very smart, he's a very smart player last year. And he I think knew he's what pre- he was good at. I think he's pressing. I think he's going away. He's kind of, I told you this last, last podcast. I think he's having an identity crisis out there. He's a great player that can, he will sit in the corner I th- and that's good enough. Right now on this roster with the scores that we have, if he can sit in the corner just like and just sit there and just get wide open threes and make them, I think it's when he starts just running around in circles that he is getting himself out of position for these open threes. Because, he, yeah, he didn't have any open threes last night. He might have had one or two, 
but it seemed like all of his shots were contested. And when he gets going to the hoop, it, it, it gets ugly. And listen, this is complete speculation, but I, I, I think his, I think he has a big ego to a, to a good extent. I think I like how he has a big ego. He's a, he's a big ego player. Right. And I think the fact that Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, Nas Reed are playing so well in those role player roles and he's getting overshadowed by them because he was that top role player for the team. And I think he, I think he is pressing. I think he's trying to do more than he can do. Cause we, we've not, we know, I mean, Malik's secretly athletic. I, I you see, no, you saw that dunk last night. That was yeah. amazing. He's just not a good driver though. And it, it's, it's just not something in his skill set, And he, he, he's not a good ball handler either. So when he's trying to make plays down the lane, trying to handle the ball, it gets ripped from him every single time. And it's, yeah, it makes him look like a bad player when I know he's not a bad player. I, I think Malik Beasley, again, I think he very well could be the sixth man on our playoff team this yes. year. Even I think he can do it this year. I think maybe he just needs a reset and he just needs, you know what? I think he, I think what would really help is if Finch sat down with him and just like, hey, I believe in you. I know the player that you can be. We're paying you to be this player. And you know what? You don't need to press. I'm still going to give you minutes. It's not like I'm going to shut you down like I shut down a Kogi or like now Balmero is not seeing any minutes. Like I'm still playing you, even though you're playing horrible. It's just you need to just know your role and just let the game come to you. We have some of the best facilitators in the league in Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Like they will find you. Just be patient. That's what I'm saying, man. If he just like like I like I say, pretty much every podcast it seems like now we just need Malik to be an off ball player. I don't I don't need him taking. I need him to be like a Clay Thompson like player. Clay doesn't take a lot of dribbles because he doesn't need to. Clay's no. that good. And it's I think Malik. I don't know if Malik's as good of a shooter as Clay. He could be. I don't I don't know. No, okay, like, Clay's one of the best top three yeah. shooters of all time. But if you look at Malik's shooting last year, it, it matches up to some of Clay's season. That's how yeah. good Malik was shooting last year, and it's. Once we thought we were going to see the Malik breakthrough, and it just really hurts we haven't seen that because the last like five or so games, Malik's been getting benched. Like it, he's been literally getting pulled out of the game, like by Finch because he's making so many mistakes, and I hate yeah. seeing that. Like we just ah, uh, I know, I I know, we, it's it's tough, and I think there's different different strategies to attack this issue because. It's the main issue that could be holding this team back from a sixth seed, you say. Like, if we can get a little bit more production out of that spot. And that, does it, do you wait it out? Do you trade? That's, that's a decision Sachin's going to have to make. I, I, I can't make that decision. Honestly, and I think the fact that we haven't made a trade yet at all the way up to this point, I think that might be saying that maybe we're going to be believing in Malik Beasley. And don't quote me on that. If he could be shipped out before we even uh, – publish this podcast but you know I, I i would i would err on the side of believing in him we got we have a lot of we got him on a pretty good contract i think if he can produce at the level that he's supposed to and i just have a feeling if we ship him off he's gonna become that player that we we thought he was gonna be but yeah yeah uh well let's let's get off the bat because i i'm i was really happy with last night i was yeah, what? happy with the i was happy with d'angelo russell yet again man what what am i telling you man my guys are playing well d'lo vanderbilt is there two better guys you could back right now having your corner anthony edwards well i, I mean everyone <laughs> loves that but d'lo again man it's it's what it's 16 or 18 points seven rebounds eight assists but it 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 looks minuscule, but it means so much to this team. It, it means the world to this team when he's there. Dude, have he's you got, seen? He's got second best net rating in the NBA right now. Yeah. Have you seen his tweets after the game? I think that's. I think that shows how good of a leader is. He never. 
he's never tweeting about himself. He's he's literally only supporting his teammates in tweets, in post game interviews. Like he is so selfless out there. He doesn't care if he's the one. He he's only done the this this thing once this year. I mean, he's he's that he doesn't want to call attention to himself. He's all about building up the team, being that player coach. And you're right, man. He he's been great. I mean, like when when that line when he's in that lineup has a like everyone's saying, oh, that plus 50 net rating per 100 possessions can't last. Do we, we had 48 plus 48 with that lineup again. And that's, it's because of D'Angelo Russell's a huge reason why. And I, I don't even, I think it's, it's fun for him in that starting lineup, but where he really, you know, is a difference maker is when he's running with that second unit from like one minute left in the first quarter to seven minutes left in the second quarter. That's when that's when Wolves fans get a little nervous, but he always holds the ship, man. That's really important what he's doing with him and Nas Reed, man. I, I love the connection. Dude, you just stole the whole the whole thing I was just about to say. I don't even know what to say anymore. I was going to say <laughs> I had a great analogy. I think he's the, the perfect bridge from the starting lineup to the bench lineup. When he's that bridge out there, when he's the guy who stays out on the court with that second unit, it literally like that the second unit can stay in a game, but when he's not there, and I think we noticed this when he was out those five games that he's been out is the bench is not productive as it is. He is just that he's that guy that can ground the team and just, I don't know. He makes everyone better out there. And that Nas Reed pairing, man, you know, you know, I'm the biggest fan of that in the world. I love Nas Reed and D'Angelo Russell and it's beautiful. Beautiful. I, I, I'm, I'm lo- it's poetic. I'm loving this team. I'm loving this team. Even with Malik, man, I'm I'm loving this team. I'm loving uh, I'm loving how Jade McDaniel's had a good game last night. That was really that was really awesome to see. If he, he was hitting those wide open threes. I'm like, yes. If I'm not mistaken, he I think he had a pretty good game against um. Did yeah, he have a good game good, against Portland think, too. Yeah, he did have a good Portland game as well. Yeah, he's he's been doing great, man. He uh, he's been doing exactly what we we uh, we call them to do is hit wide open threes and play good defense without fouling. I mean, the fouling thing is honestly, I don't want to jinx it. I'm a knock on wood, but I haven't noticed his fouls. I haven't noticed it crazy. lately. So he's really stepped up. I think he needed a few a few weeks or like a week or so to get back from that uh, influenza, which I also was struggling with influenza last um, last podcast. If you couldn't tell, so I was out of my element as well. So we. Uh-huh. We can do the same excuse if I was if I was if I wasn't speaking as I normally do, but yeah, he's been great. Um, Balmero, I, I liked him out there when uh, D'Lo was out, but I'm happy he's uh, he's not been getting as many minutes. Maybe send him back down to the G League for a little bit. That's what I'm saying, man. Let, let him dominate in the G League for a season. Yeah, like, get his confidence not? up. Um, Jake Lehman got minutes. I mean, what? How how much better could last night have got? We got Jake Lehman with the leg sleeve out there getting minutes. He didn't. I don't nope. think he touched the ball. But <laughs> no, I, I, man, it's, it's the Noel, like whenever Noel goes and plays with the scrubs in the last two minutes, he, he always looks like bricks. a scrub he bricks. He bricks every <laughs> single shot. He takes every single shot too. It was really weird. Um, uh, he's a shot. He's a shooter, man. He's a, he's a creator. He can get his shot off at any time and he's not afraid to. And he tweeted last night, actually, that I need to be better. So we like to see that accountability. From well, well I, have, I I don't have an opinion on Noel right now. We'll have to wait a couple more games and I, I can get my get my opinion on him. But I, what I do want to talk about is something we don't talk about too much in season now. And it's kind of getting to that point. You know, all offseason, you guys just hear us talk about like front office moves and stuff like that. And we haven't talked about it for like two or three months, maybe. So I think it's finally time. You know, the December 15th clause is now in effect. Players who just signed to a team in free agency this past offseason 
can now be traded. So like the mm. Patrick Beverly's, the Torian princes are now available. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's important because there's a lot, a lot on the trade front for the wolves right now. If you guys have been following the NBA insiders, um, obviously starting off with Ben Simmons. And I think, I think it said, I think Shams tweeted 10 teams are now talking with the Sixers front office, which is, is a lot obviously. And I think talks have picked back up for that due to the fact that I think Daryl Morey knows now, like he, he, w- he was trying to bait a team like the Timberwolves into giving up way too much to get Ben Simmons. And now he knows every team's not going to do that. He he's, he's probably not going to get a top 25 player. And I think he knows that. Um, so I think the Ben Simmons fiasco is going to happen. I really do think it's going to happen in the next coming weeks. I don't know where, um, I hope not the Timberwolves. I, I really would not like that at the moment, but I, I think it's, even though I, I know you don't really want it either. I think it is a possibility that it could happen. I, I know Sachin's really high on him. So I wanted to get to your thoughts. Um, what you think we'd give up for Ben Simmons if we did trade for him. And what are your, what are your thoughts on kind of the news revolving around that? Well, um, I don't know. Honestly, I, I, I wouldn't, I can't, I can't act like I know what the market for Ben Simmons is right now. I don't know what we would have to get up, give up, but I can tell you what I'm okay giving up for Ben Simmons. I'm okay. Giving up a player like Balmero, a young player who is, has great potential. I'm okay. Giving him up for a player like Ben Simmons. Jaden McDaniels, I, I think I would be okay giving him up for Ben Simmons and maybe one first round pick and a second, something like that, even though I don't know if that would be even be a trade that could even be possible for Ben Simmons. But the fact of the matter is I don't want Ben Simmons. I think the Timberwolves are a better team. We're, we're, we're doing great. We're doing good for the first time in a couple of years. Why would we mess that up? Get rid of those young players that I just said and a first round pick next year when, you know what, we're on that we're on the, on the rise right now. We're on the cusp of being that team we want to be without even Ben Simmons. And I think those guys in the future, not maybe not next year, but in two years, those two guys could be a very valuable part of our team. And that first round pick that could also become another variable, very valuable part of our team. And and I think just getting a guy like Ben Simmons might throw the whole trajectory of our franchise off yet again. Yeah, but that's what I think. No, I, I agree with you there. I, I think we're finally gelling for the first time. And I think what the Rosas administration has has done well, and I, I count Sachin in that too, is I think they make these little small minute trades that you don't usually see on the big NBA talk shows. They, they go kind of unnoticed. Like the Patrick Beverly trade wasn't huge. You know, Torian Prince wasn't a huge addition. Um, and then when the Nuggets trade happened, we got Malik Vanderbilt and a couple other players and everyone kind of like they're that was a good trade you know getting um you know roco's salary away and but no they don't talk about that on first take <laughs> no they don't man they don't <laughs> talk about moves like that and i think that those are the type of moves we're going to make at this deadline i think yeah. they are going to bring in another bench piece i, I really do think Sachin's going to be active um but not to the extent of you can't you can never rule out the ben simmons trade you can never rule out the miles turner trade the caris Levert's trade but i i really in my heart, think it would be best to trust the process like we've been doing, build from the ground up, not top heavy. We don't need the superstar to come in and change the culture and change the identity. We need those those building blocks. And I I, I think a Larry Nance, you know, looking back at what I was talking about last week, I, I do I would value Larry Nance over Miles Turner at the moment. I, I I really would. And I think I made a mistake last week in saying that. I think a I think a second round pick and like 
a Kogi or Noel, whatever, whatever you have to do to get that, you know, backup for, I, I, I think that's going to be a move we're going to make or, and should make instead of a, a splash. Yeah. I think that's honestly, that's kind of where I'm at too. Um, speaking of uh, Noel, um, I think D'Angelo Russell made a really impactful statement about Noel that honestly made me look at D'Angelo Russell different as a leader. Um, what he said about Noel is like, you know, Jalen Noel, I believe in him. I think he's a great player. And for him to really break out of a player as a player, he might need another team to give him an opportunity that he's just not getting on our team. I think that's a really cool, cool thing to say, because usually you'd say like, oh, is he bashing the Timberwolves for not being able to give Noel minutes? But no, what he's saying is like, hey, like we have a really great roster here. I still think Jalen Noel is a great player, but you know what? It might not be here. And I think that's a very grown up thing to say as a leader. And and that's I, what that's what Doogie kind of alluded to when he came on, you know, the pod a couple of weeks ago is he's he said he really likes Noel as well. And I think he also said no, Noel would be better in a different spot with more opportunities. I, I, I definitely agree with Doogie. I agree with Dilo. I, I think he can be a guy, a rotational player for another team. It's just, I don't think the, I don't think the something's not working here and that's, that's fine. That, that happens. Um, not everyone's meant to, you know, be at one place. We're all meant to be at different places at different times. And I think Noel getting a, you know, a better opportunity on another team could work wonders it's you think about Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt what would happen if they didn't come to the Timberwolves man they'd be probably still stashed on the bench in Denver exactly yeah so yeah I think a a small trade for a player I I think that's what Sachin does so great is he finds and Gerson did in the past is they find those players that are exactly like Jalen Noel on other teams and you know what bring them into our environment and they might thrive in our environment that's the great thing about the trade deadline is you're not stuck on one team if other teams believe in you, they can go out and get you, and you might you might have a whole better experience and be a completely different player. So I think that's I think if we can get a player like Jalen Noel, who is not finding his role on another team, bring him in. I don't know, Chris. I think that could bring us from the nine seed to the six seed. Yeah, I I, I think the really big thing I realized too is there's just no way. First of all, no, I do not want to ship off Dilo. I, I no, I no one really- does. Everyone realizes the importance of D'Angelo Russell. And I, I don't think it like it, I think it's almost impossible because of how good of a relationship he has with Finch at the moment. I think it's almost impossible that he's going to get shipped off. Not not in. I don't know if a team would want him, but it's just you cannot include D'Angelo Russell in a trade package. He's way, way too important to this team at the moment, you know, as as seen on our five game losing streak. It, it makes a lot of sense how important he is, man. It It really does. And that's kind of that's kind of why I don't think they're going to make a splash. It's there's no players that the Wolves can give up to get a big player at the moment. You know, no one's we don't need it. We don't, we we don't, don't need, need it. it. We don't need to make a big play. Um, we're buyers. I saw a list where it had buyers, sellers and made the same. We're buyers right now. But like we're saying, I don't think we really need to go out. We might need to go to the supermarket and get some apples and oranges, maybe just a few <laughs> buy a bag of chips. But we don't need to go out there and get a whole prime rib. You know what I'm saying? We just, we need to make those small moves, build up the roster. Chris, before we before we end here, I want to give a shout out to Jake Scraffs on on Twitter. Look at this shirt, isn't this sick? He, uh, I've never cool. never talked to the guy, never reached out to him, but I saw this shirt and I was like, I have to get this. I was at the game. This great art. Shout out to Jake Scraffs. Um, you know what? Hopefully, we have a great month of December here. Um, Got to go get this one on the Lakers, and I really think we we can win this game. 
prime time. Are you, are you going to that game tomorrow, by the way? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No. Um, I don't even know if I'll be able to watch it live, but I'll definitely, I'll definitely tune in after. Definitely. Yeah, it was, a, it was, it was a good, uh, you know, good past two games. Uh, I think tomorrow, you know, against the Lakers, uh, primetime TV ESPN finally got a slot. Um, I think it's a winnable game. I, I, I mean, I, the Lakers are playing well, you know, you got LeBron, but I don't see why we can't win that game. Just like, I don't see why we can't win the next two magic games coming up or the Knicks coming up for the Celtics. It, I'll, I'll take this team like D'Lo said over anyone when they're healthy. I really do. Yeah. I think Anthony Edwards, I'd like to put a prediction. I think Anthony Edwards is going to have a huge game tomorrow or tomorrow against LeBron. He loves, he loves the spotlight. And that's what I've noticed about Anthony Edwards. If, if it's just a random and random game, nothing on the line, no one's really challenging him. He just kind of, he's kind of lackadaisical out there. You know, he's just kind of going through the motions. He'll still get his 22 points, but it's not going to be that impactful. But when there's something on the line, when he's playing against a, a player like LeBron, KD, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, or if he gets challenged by his teammates or if he gets yelled at by his coach, I think it's just this little thing in his head that just switches. And then that, is why I believe Anthony Edwards can be one of the greatest players of all time. When he gets that little that little switch, what he needs to learn work how to learn how to do is always have that switch, and that's what separates the players like Michael Jordan from the, all the other great players. Is that his switch was always on, and I think I don't know if Anthony Edwards can do something to keep it always on, but I don't know. That's something I noticed. Yeah, man, uh, it was a good it was a good podcast today. Uh, we'll probably see you guys back, you know, sometime. I would say next week, um, you know, I've, I have finals until Monday, obviously. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we're going to make it past final season. Peyton and I'll have a month to, you know, just pump out a bunch of content. Be a good yeah, dude. Up. Honestly, I love the energy we're bringing this, this podcast. I think, I think after the last two we've had, uh, you know, they were just kind of, we we're just kind of putting them out there to put them out there. And, you know, we needed something, you know, we need is a spark. I think this is, this is one of our best podcasts ever, Chris. I'll give you that. Um, good luck on finals, buddy. Um, everyone else, good luck. Merry Christmas. Hope you guys have a great week and we'll talk. Happy to you holidays. Guys. Happy holidays. We'll see you guys later.